0: Thank you, Randy and uh, Church of the Red Door. Good morning. Day 83. I just can't imagine that it's 83 days since I've seen many of you. I, I get a chance to see some of you on Zoom, somewhere in a little Bible study here or there. I obviously talk to so many of you on the phone, but this has just been crazy. And so next week, day 90, I mean, this is, uh, I, I don't know. But the Lord knows, and uh, we, you know, many of you are already back home. So uh, I hope you're. hope you're doing well. Uh, Church at the Red Door, that's here year-round. I'm just. I'm so sorry. I, I hate not being with you. But uh, anyway, we're progressing, and we're excited about. Uh, we're excited about where we are. Believe it or not, and some extraordinary things are happening, and we'll. We will be keeping you. Uh, attuned to all these things. You know, the land's still going, the building, I mean, we're we're pressing forward. Uh, we continue to increase online presence, uh, especially on the website. Uh, YouTube's not as strong, but we continue to increase that. So, you know, this is exciting for us. And uh, we're gonna take this, we're gonna spin it, and we're gonna say, the Lord's gonna be in the middle of this. And we all know Romans 8, right, 8, the Lord is working all things together for good, for those who uh, love God and are called according to his purposes. And we believe that there is a distinct purpose the Church of the Red Door plays here in the Coachella Valley and even extending beyond the valley. So uh, we're excited about moving forward here this morning. Randy, thanks for leading us in. You know, I'm gonna start this morning. Uh, we're gonna start with Psalm 93. I say start, we're gonna continue with Psalm 93. Uh, last week, we looked at this, uh, this concept of these pounding waves. Uh, we talked a little bit about it's a little bit like culture Uh, it's just kind of a relentless pounding and uh, you may feel that uh, as it relates to this quarantine you may feel that as it relates to a health crisis you may feel that in so many different ways but also just the culture marginalizing us uh, pushing us into a corner at times it feels that way look we don't respond and fight back for our rights we humbly submit the gospel to a hurting world. We proclaim Jesus until he comes back. I mean, that's the very task for which we've been called. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna transfer this over to Lisa Major, uh, wife of Mike Major, who's uh, head of our security and all that. And she is going to read, thank you, Lisa. She's going to read Psalm 93 to get us rolling this morning. Lisa, I turn it over to you.
1: morning, Church of the Red Door family. This is Lisa Major coming to you from my home in self-quarantine land solitary confinement and sheltering in place. But I'm not alone because I have my Bible, I have the Word of God, and it is my honor and privilege to share with you from the book of Psalms, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves. More than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. And now, here's Jeff.
0: Thanks, Lisa, so much for that. It's so good to see your face. And, and uh, thank you for opening us up and, and reading the word for us this morning. You know, as I think about this, these pounding waves, and again, what we're going to be doing again this morning and probably next week as well is focusing very much on this short, only five verses, focusing on the characteristics of God. You know, one of the most important things that we can do during times of crisis is to get our focus off of our off of the issue i mean you see that over and over people turn away from god they they resort to in that nation in israel's history for instance they resort to going to egypt or they partner with assyria or they they make some kind of partnership constantly and god's like well wait a minute why aren't you focusing on me why aren't you trusting in me and so sometimes folks when we just just really get Focused on the very characteristics of God what it allows us to do is begin to think about his power his reign his majesty His glory his strength and as we do that uh, Our whole our cortisol levels come down our, our pulse rate comes down, you know all of a sudden we realize look God has He's got this and we can relax. And I think that's what Psalm 93 is doing. And ultimately, we see that best expressed in Jesus himself. So uh, this morning, we're gonna move on to this this idea that God is not just an idea, it's the reality that God reigns. In other words, God ultimately has say over the entirety of his creation. There's no place in human history where God will not uh, continuously move his his relentless, sovereign plan towards completion. And unless we get on on board with that, we'll always be fighting against the tide. We'll feel those pounding waves in a much more profound way. And so this idea of God reigning, the, the, the reality that God reigns, I wanna first go and look at Isaiah 52. So we're gonna go back to Isaiah 52 and see a little bit this idea of God reigning. Now, the context here is that one day, Israel's gonna become a nation again, and that there's gonna be a people that are gonna come, and they're, they're going to, our, our very words are gonna be uh, our, the reality that their God reigns. You know, many in the Jewish community, and uh, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through Christ, they, they don't see it yet. Many do, but many don't, and yet there's a place that we see that, and, and actually, uh, Paul later in his letter to the Romans actually quotes this particular passage uh, and he's talking about look there's a day when all of Israel shall be saved and listen to the context here Isaiah 52 we'll look at verses 7 through 10 it says how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news uh, that's essentially what we're doing this morning you know wherever you might be watching this we're bringing you the great news of the gospel uh, that God has um, come in and, and Jesus through the incarnation has come and he's actually with us and he displayed the very majesty of God and that's the message we're proclaiming. And it goes on and says how a lovely on the mounds are the feet of him who brings good news and announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, Okay, that's a picture. Your God reigns. You know, that's fascinating because it, the Isaiah is seeing a day where a people is gonna, are going to go back to the very bed of uh, Abrahamic uh, understanding of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're going to be announcing that their God reigns. It's fascinating. It says, listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. They shout joyfully together. They will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. Break forth, shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And we know how he did that. He did that through the blood of Jesus. It says the Lord has bared his holy arm. Now we're gonna get more into this uh, a little bit later when we're talking about the strength of God and the very right arm of God. We know who that is, that's Jesus. And it says, in the sight of all nations. In other words, Isaiah's already seen a picture where the demonstration of the redemption uh, of the world, the nations are gonna know it, and then the nations are gonna come back and they're gonna be announcing this unbelievable news that your God, your God is the God that reigns. Your God reigns. It says, in the sight of all the nations, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. And this is profound, you've gotta understand. the the reign of God is just not uh, the God of Israel. The reign of God is not just over a nation. It's over all the nations. Isaiah was so clear in what God was giving him. He was so clear as in his articulation that God reigns over everything. In other words, God's the boss of it all. You know, little kids when they run around at times you know you're not the boss of me you know we're, we're always fighting for our own sovereignty our own our own ability to rule and to reign whether it be our household or relationship or friendship and this is pretty clear you know you know god you are the boss what you say goes uh, you're the ultimate arbiter of everything uh, you're both uh, majestic and powerful and you have the strength to back this up lord you're the creator look when you folks when we begin to focus on this when we begin to just allow our minds to be saturated with the reality that even though the waves are around us the pounding goes on uh, again the culture tend, tends to minimize our message and and make us look like fools at times you know far-right extremist and crazy people and all that kind of thing look those waves, the relentless waves, even temptation from uh, Satan as we'll see in a minute. Just temptation, those pounding waves, those pounding waves. Folks, there's a time to just stop and go, wait a minute. You know God reigns. God's the boss of all this. God's gonna see this to completion. You know, do you ever have a, a place in your time in your day where you, you say, well when's God gonna make his reign? actually visibly known you know the church is a picture of god's reign in the hearts of people but jesus hasn't come back yet and and maybe one day you know jesus is going to come back and he's going to set up but boy it's hard until then and we feel this distress of still being in in our body and and all the temptation that goes with that and and we're thinking you know i i can't take this anymore and this i'm tired of being tempted i'm tired of being in a body that in a sense fights against my flesh, fighting against my soul, you know, my my soul is being redeemed and restored and God's doing an amazing work on the inside of me. I, I'm beginning to have a desire for the right things, but it's exhausting living in a culture and with the waves pounding and all the circumstances of life, it gets exhausting at times, you know. It's a little bit what we see here in Peter's second letter, listen to what Peter says. He likens this. When he's talking about temptation, he says this in verse six. He says, he says, if God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, now catch this, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day after day. By what? By their lawless deeds. Well, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. So what Peter is saying is that, look, if if God went back and intervened in the the lives of uh, in the life of Lot and his family. If he, if he was able to do that because he was just being tormented by these pounding waves, you know, I mean, just unprincipled men constantly, just as this, this relentless pounding, you know, if he could do that with Lot and knew how to rescue Lot, he can certainly bring us up out of our, well, out of these waves and, and r- we, we will rise above the waves, folks. Uh, This is the picture that we have in God. This is the picture of God's reign. God will come back and reign one day. And in the meantime, in the meantime, where he may rule and reign in our hearts, and that's essentially what the church is, is just a people, a called out people, who God reigns and rules in their hearts. There's coming a day though when Jesus will come back. But until then, where it's visibly set up, you've got to understand God knows how to Somehow allow us to make it through and rise above these waves of temptation, and just the onslaught of the enemy while we live on this earth. Now I've got to tell you, I don't know about you, but that gives me great confidence. It gives me it gives me a, a real sense of stability and peace and, and a sense of uh, of, of well being when I again focus on God's reign and I don't say, well, you know, woe is me and and everything's so difficult and, and the culture doesn't care. And it's a little bit like the spirit of Elijah when he cries out to the Lord, I'm the only one that's left in all of Israel. I, I, I'm the last one who cares about your plan, God. I, I, I mean, I'm it. And then of course, God comes down and says, oh, I've got thousands of people that have not bowed the knee. You know, not only does God reign in a, in a grand sense, he's already reigning in the hearts of his church you know that's one of the things that for me is so challenging I know many of you is that you may be feel isolated from the hearts of those who God reigns in their lives and so you know it's difficult when we can't gather Uh, I've alluded to this before but uh, this this I think there's a profound thing there's a song called The Blessing and uh, we'll have it uh, on our if you can go to the website and watch it just click on these videos you can go to YouTube uh, but all these nations are singing this song over their nation called the blessing, and they have all denominational backgrounds and ethnic ethnicities and singing. It's such a beautiful picture. I it, I've watched this thing 15 times probably, and every time I watch it, from Africa, from you know, uh, from the UK, from from here in the United States and different portions, people are singing. It fills the airways with this song, the blessing. It's beautiful. But it, it reminds me that God's reign in the hearts of people across ethnic divides, across denominations is active and it's actually growing and we're becoming more mature. And it brings tears to my eyes. I, I would challenge all of our family to go and spend some time. What, what if you get down, go go to YouTube, watch, watch the UK blessing, the African blessing, all these, all these different communities, and they come together and you can see them on you know just on the screen, and it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. It's a picture, it's a picture, folks, of God's reign. Not visible Jesus coming back in the flesh yet, but in the hearts of people. Let me tell you something, folks. As Psalm 93 says, our God reigns, our God reigns. Now, secondly, as we see here, it's important to know that God is clothed in majesty. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning is God's majesty. I I don't know if you've had the opportunity or I I know many have already uh, watched this, but Nina and Kyle's testimony that, uh, you know, from last week from Houston, if you haven't seen that, you have to go back and, and watch that testimony. It was extraordinary. Why? Because it displayed the majesty of God. Now, how, how would we define God's majesty? Well, first of all, the Hebrew word here is geuth, and it's a it really denotes a rising, a swelling of of brightness and excellence and, and just being extraordinary and other than. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing picture. God's majesty, Gayuth, is, is this rising of excellence. And we see that in God. Now, it can work its way out in the fact that uh, obviously God's got all the strength and the power in, in that side of it. But it's also a picture that we'll see in Jesus in a minute where, well, the reality is is that his majesty is displayed both in his power and his majesty is also displayed in his compassion. You know, uh, Job 37, 22, let me read that for you. It says, out of the north comes splendor. Around God is awesome majesty. This amazing excellence. You know, we see so much in our world today. I see so much in my own life. And I go, that doesn't rise to excellence, that behavior, that attitude, that it doesn't rise to the majesty of God. And I can get pulled down by my, by my own struggles. I can get pulled down by my culture around. I can, The pounding of the waves can come both from outside and the pounding of the waves can sometimes emerge from the inside of us. Our old desires, our old thinking, our old patterns. And sometimes it can draw you down, and that's the moment that you that we, folks we have to hit our knees, and we have to look up and go, "No, His excellence and His Majesty." I mean, there it is. I mean, God is an awesome Majesty, awesome excellence, and the world just can't see it. You know, Isaiah saw it clearly. Isaiah twenty-six verse ten. He says, though the wicked is shown favor. In other words, God pours out his blessings on both the the righteous and the unrighteous. But he doesn't learn righteousness. He deals unjustly in the land of uprightness. He does not perceive the majesty of the Lord. Simply can't see it. He can't see God's reign. He can't see God's splendor and excellence. You know, the, the, the unrighteous can only see what their physical eyes can see. They don't see the rule and the reign in the life of the church. They don't see God's splendor. They can't see it. In fact, they turn away and they say, well, there is no God. And that's what we looked at even a couple of weeks ago before uh, Nine's testimony. Uh, we, we saw that. They the, just can't perceive it. it. It doesn't understand it. And as a result, the Bible simply says, it's a fool that says in his heart, there is no God, but once you displace God, oh, okay, so I'm the ruler of my universe. I reign. First Peter 4.4, 4, listen to what it says. You know, when, when we go into a culture and they, they can't see the excellence and then we turn towards the excellence and the majesty of God, they don't understand what's going on in our lives. I love the New Living Bible here. Listen to what it says. You can almost hear the waves pounding here. It says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood, you know, these waves of wild, destructive things they do, and they slander you. You know, the world can't see it. The world doesn't perceive the majesty of God. And so when you begin to see that, when you begin to focus on the very glory of God, of course your former friends are going to go, what what has he He, seen? The guy's gone crazy. Why? And they begin to slander you because you see something they cannot. Do you see the majesty of the Lord today? Are, are you riveted on his majesty? It, it, folks, that'll, that'll pull you up out of the, the pounding of the waves. You know, the world, and, and I, I think more specifically, the West, really has no idea how profoundly different our lives would look without the manifestation, not just of God's reign, but God's compassion in Christ. I mean, think about it for a minute. I mean, just the value of the individual, uh, the way Jesus came and, and valued women and valued the poor and the outcasts and you know some of that is part of most of the West uh, feeling of morality now. That has not always been the case. I mean, and still not in many cultures. you know you have a caste system, you have the, the down and outs, they deserve it. We don't reach out to them. there's no, there's no real compassionate care. Jesus did more for marginalized humanity than any other uh, two feet that walk this planet ever, ever has and ever will. I mean, the world we live in, uh, the majesty of God's compassion as seen in Jesus has forever changed, certainly the West and most of the world. And when we talk about the developed world, we usually imagine that that's gonna be consistent with an increased understanding of the marginalized and the oppressed. And, and why is that? It's because of Jesus. It's not because of humanitarianism. It's not because of a, a new ethic. It's not, it's, it, for thousands of years, people were sacrificed. It's not just, it's not just women and, and ethnic minorities, it's children. I mean, children were so uh, marginalized and so abused. I mean, we even see during the time of Israel, The sacrifice of children to the gods. And of course, we still have much of that even in the West. I mean, we sacrifice our kids for the sake of convenience. But I've got to tell you, Jesus, when he brought forth these children, you know, his disciples used to try to keep the children away. And Jesus, in his majesty, the compassion of his excellence, uh, no, let the little children come to me. And he, they would sit on his lap. I, I can only imagine that those children were, were so attracted to Jesus. Why? Because he, he, they were marginalized in their society. I, I, I think about, you know, loving your enemies, really? I mean, the, the, what did all that mean? And, and dying, dying for the unlovely? I mean, well, well, that's a picture of the majesty of Jesus. really a a picture that we get and so i realize how difficult at times folks it is to even personalize all of this it's difficult we may we might find it difficult because there's so much language in the bible and we will look at it and it's true of god's overwhelming light you know the blinding light uh, god's overwhelming power i mean we look at that and we say, how do we personalize that? It seems so distant and remote and powerful. You know, we, how, how do we get close? And that's where Jesus manifests God's majesty. Certainly, Jesus was the light of the world. He claimed to be in John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus is certainly powerful. He's going to rule and reign. All dominion and authority have already been given over to him. Everything, one day, everything will be submitted to, under his feet. Uh, We know that, so there's power there, but he also demonstrated the majesty, the glory of the Father. Listen to Hebrews chapter one, verses three and four. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of his glory. He's the exact representation of his nature. You don't want, you want to personalize God? Look at Jesus. Well, didn't Jesus say that? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God's like? Well, it's just, it's too impersonal. Light and power and, and, and wrath and, and all, all these things. True. All those things are true, but they're clothed. And that majesty, and they're clothed in majesty, and that majesty includes compassion. It says he upholds all things by the word of his power. Is power there? Obviously so. He says, when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of what? The right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Now, what does this mean? It means that Jesus is an exact representation of the Father, of the Father's majesty, both in his ability to rule and reign, and dominion and power and authority, and yet, in the beauty of his of his condescension, you know, moving down and actually living among people, caring and and reaching out and touching the unlovely. To imagine that God, in His infinite power and His authority over over all the created order, could could come down and and actually just. Mingle with the the completely marginalized the the unlovely nobody the people nobody would ever want to even come near that's the majesty of God that's the picture now is God light of course God's light first John 1 5 what's it say this is the message we have heard from him and it's the message we announce to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all it's his majesty it's his it's rising excellence it's this glory it's this groundswell of now folks are you are you riveted on that are you are you focused on God's majesty during these times or or have the waves gotten you down or do you feel you know oppressed and and maybe many of you I don't know watching this some of you uh, may be very discouraged and I've talked to many of you and again This is not just about the coronavirus. This is not just about the quarantine time. But these times like this and this quarantine can bring some of these soul issues to the surface in a much more uh, noticeable way. You know, sometimes we can fill the voids that exist with shopping and, you know, friends and going out to dinner and all that, not really realizing that uh, we need to be riveted and filled. You know, John 15 is very clear that apart from me, you can't do anything and we can somehow mask over that at times and and not even recognize that well there is a deficit here look this is the time to reach out this is a this is these are times to be riveted on God and his majesty and not on our own unrighteousness and our own failures you know if you listen to Martin Luther listen to what he says he says this life therefore is not righteousness but growth in righteousness in other words we never achieve perfect righteousness here Christ did and we have his righteousness imputed to us but in terms of the reality you know this life is not righteousness but it's but it should be 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 growing in righteousness he said this life therefore is not health but it is healing you know I've got some People in my life right now, many and many within our own body, and close personal friends that are struggling in some very profound ways. We know that in this life, physically, our bodies well, they they fall apart a little bit over time, right? But but in the end, there is healing. You know, ultimately, certainly in the resurrection, it'll be complete healing of health. It'll be a restored and a, a renewed body. We got we got to recognize that that is the majesty of God. It says therefore. This life is not also one of being, but of becoming. We're not Christ. We're not there yet, but we are becoming more like him. Uh, Pursuit of holiness is something we are all, as followers of Jesus, to be engaged in. Jesus said it very clearly. Be holy as your Father is holy. And it says we are not yet what we will be. So that's the reality of our groaning, you know. The whole creation groans waiting for the revelation. Uh, it says in uh, Romans chapter 8, not just us, but the entirety of the creation from the trees and the, and the, the seas and everything that are maybe overfished and the pollution that exists and all that are going to, there's a deep groaning waiting for the perfect day of restoration. Well, folks, that's coming. I promise you that's coming. Now, lastly, listen to David Dwight, Nicole uh, Eunice and their book start here. It's one, one of my favorite books. I love giving this book out to new believers, especially when people have just gotten baptized and they, it's called Start Here. It's a friend of mine uh, that gave this and brought this to my attention, uh, Dale and Ann Fowler. I really appreciate them. And I've given out many of these and they, they do as well. Listen to what they say. God is not flawed and is never in need of improvement. You know, part of God's majesty is just the fact that he's, he's never in need of improvement. He said, this explains why God doesn't change. Why? Because To change would mean he is either getting better or getting worse. He's either improving or regressing. But a perfect God, and I would say a majestic God, it doesn't get better. God doesn't get better, and he doesn't get worse. That's just part of being perfect. That's part of the majesty that Christ is clothed in it, it, it is. It's a picture of his excellence. He, he's not getting better or getting worse. You know, there, there's some theology out there that says somehow God is changing by events and, and all this kind of thing. Look, look, that's absurd. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, can you imagine that if there's a struggle going on internally inside you and and you're struggling because you feel the turmoil of your own at times indifference or your own uh, nuanced ways in which you kind of you're there and you're close and then you kind of back away and and just the challenge of you know being near God and then feeling like sometimes we're a million miles away from God. You've got to understand the Bible's very clear that even though we're unfaithful he remains faithful. So can we be riveted on his on his majesty in the, in the sense that he's unchanging, you know, everything changes. I mean, we, we cling to things, you know? Sometimes we cling to life. We're, we're terrified by a bad diagnosis. We're terrified by a financial setback. We're terrified by things. Look, things just are gonna change here. Uh, we, and people who hate change, life is so difficult. But when things do change, when seasons change, sometimes seasons are beautiful seasons. And But if there's a beautiful season, there's probably a challenging season around the corner. If there's a challenging season, there's probably a beautiful season around the corner. But one thing that doesn't change is our God. So we, if we're riveted on God, it doesn't matter whether it's a good season, whether it's a challenging season. We're not dependent on that. We rise, we rise above these waves. And we cling to the one who is unchanging. I think that's, the cl- that's what I'm getting here from Psalm 93. So now in weeks to come, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go now into the fact that God is powerful, is strong, he's, he's girded in strength. Uh, we're going to look also at his holiness and at his power. And we'll, we'll do that next week, God willing. So let me go ahead and, and conclude this morning by, again, as Lisa opened us so beautifully with, I won't be able to do it as well as she did, but let's go back and, and read these words and let these words just roll over our souls that this is our God. This is the God that we're clinging to. This is our God. Psalm 93, one more time. The majesty of the Lord. The Lord reigns. He's the boss, folks. He is the ultimate boss. He is clothed with majesty, with excellence, with power and authority. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength, and we'll look at this next week. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It's it's not going to be moved. It's a little bit of what we talked about already today. Look, God's unchanging, and nothing's going to move him off of his plans. Your throne is established from of old and you are from everlasting. We're going to see this so beautifully portrayed next week as we look at the prophet Micah and we explore this idea of God being olam, not having a beginning or an end, never having an end. I mean, this is this is the beauty of our God. He is from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O oh Lord. The waves pound, the floods have lifted up their voice, and the floods lift up their pounding waves. Uh, Psalm 1 says, well, the nations are always in an uproar. It's not going to change, folks, while we're on this on this little planet, this spinning mud heap and rebellion to God. That's not going to change. Not until Jesus comes back and makes his rule manifestly understood by everybody. But more than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea, the Lord on high... Is mighty So way more than these pounding waves, there is a greater body of water, if you will, and that's the creator of the universe. And He is on high and He controls it all. Your testimonies, and that's just the witness, what you say about reality, depending on your translation, are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your throne, O Lord, forevermore. So look, I hope this morning has been an encouragement to you. I pray that you again. Just let let's be a worshipful community. Again, let me challenge you. Go back, watch it. Watch all of them. I mean, I, watch the blessing on YouTube. Just type in the blessing, UK blessing, and the African blessing, and all the different, all these different nations that are coming together, and get a sense of the totality of God's reign, and and the majesty that emanates from that. Is we, it feels like. I got to be honest with you. It just feels like with this song, the blessing. And, and this quarantine, and that the fact that they coincided and they came together, and then the, it just, I've never in my entire life felt such a sense of common union, and we will, we will take communion together next week, common union among other people where the rule and the reign of God already is in their hearts. It's overwhelming. I, I pray you're as moved by it as I am. Let me close in prayer, and let me again say, we miss you, and we love you. Uh, let's close, Father. We thank you for this morning. I thank you for church at the Red Door. I, I, I thank you for your incredible display that I see of your Majesty living in others—not perfectly like Jesus, but Lord, I see facets of your Majesty in so many of your friends. It's one of the reasons it's so hard not together, because I need to see all your Majesty displayed in your people. So, Lord, those that are struggling, those are those are really having a hard time, Father, reach out to them today. Be with them. Encourage them. Lord, I'm asking you that you bring us back together in your timing and in the way that you want us to, whether that be uh, house churches and satellite churches, whatever our future looks like, it's in your hands, Lord. We're not going to fight against you. We're going to go with you trusting that you have a better plan for us than we can ever imagine. So Lord, I'm thankful this morning. We love you, Jesus. We lift you up. Amen. Amen. Church of the Red Door, have a great week. Can't wait to see you in my mind's eye next week. We're here for if you need anything. Love you so much.